Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. One of the things, and Tiz and I say this all the time on television, one of the reasons um, I hate to listen to Bible prophecy teaching is because most of Bible prophecy is doom and gloom. For some reason, preachers look at Bible prophecy and they love to point out doom and gloom. And this is especially true with the book of Revelation. But when you really study the book of Revelation to the believer, it is not a book of doom and gloom. But it is a book to inspire us and encourage us so that we will wake up. Because can I be real honest with you? If and and we're going to get into the seven churches of Revelation in the next several weeks. And when we look at the seven churches, we're looking at characteristics of seven different churches. And and where do you see it? It's just fascinating to study. But it's not just a church being a group. The church is you and I as individuals. And so this is God speaking, yes, to the seven churches of Asia, but it's also God speaking to you and I so that we will wake up and pay attention and realize, man, I, I need to get right with God because the reality of it is, and, and I believe this wholeheartedly, If the rapture were to take place right now, 98% of America would miss the rapture. And I would say 85% of the church would miss the rapture. Because the rapture is not the judgment of God on the world. The rapture is the judgment of God on the church. And most of the church, in my opinion, needs to wake up. And so this is what this book is all about. And when we read it, I think it will make you realize. Let let me ask you this. I was going to ask this at the end, but let me ask you this right now. If the Lord manifested himself this morning and said on November 15th, which is my birthday. (laughs) Yeah, I had to pick a date. I might as well remind you. On November 15th, all of a sudden the Lord appeared like he did to John. And he says, on November 15th, I'm going to rapture the church. Would that change your life? Would that change the way you're living, praying, studying? I'll bet you, I'll bet you if the Lord said, came and said, I am coming for the church who is serving me on November 15th. I'll bet you next Sunday the church will be full. Nobody be staying home. Well, COVID, I got to watch and stream when I wake up at 3. When you know something is about to happen, it will change your life. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? That's the purpose of the book of Revelations. Let's read it, 
And and to be honest with you, um, there's so much more in this than I realized. This is going to be a fascinating study. Read with me in Revelations chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place, and he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ and to all things that he saw. Let me, let me say this right now. God just dropped this in my spirit. I'm sure the youth are over there in, in their building. During this series, I want the youth in here. Are they in here? Are the youth in here? Because guys, you guys are the ones that really need to, we're, we're dependent on you. We're dependent on the youth to really catch fire and be the evangelists and the apostles and the leaders of next year. And so you, if you have, if you have young people, get them out for this series. Because I, I, like I said, this is not a doom and gloom. When you read this, you're going to realize there is a, re- a move of God that's coming. It's going to be amongst all of us. But the youth, man, we are so glad you're here. Amen. We are so glad you're here. Verse 2, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ and to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and who hears the words of this prophecy And keeps those things which are written in it, for the time is near. Let me say that again. Blessed is he who, number one, reads. Number two, hears. Remember, when we're not talking about, it loses so much from Hebrew to English. Blessed is he who has eyes to see and ears to hear. Doesn't mean, oh, I see that. It means, oh, I see that. Oh, I hear that. So blessed are those, Father, in the name of Jesus, give us that spiritual anointing to see what it is you're saying and hear what it is you're saying. And give us that anointing to do what it is you're saying to each and every one of us. And keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. And you're going to see in this, even though this was written 1,900 years ago, it, it's, I'm gonna, we're going to show you something that the time is so near to us. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests, to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him, and they also who pierced him, and all the tribes on the earth will mourn because of him, even so. Now, I don't want to get sidetracked, but blessed is he, uh, behold, he is coming with the clouds. 
You've got to remember, the birth pangs are not the signals of the rapture. The birth pangs are the signals of what happens seven years after the rapture when the Lord returns in the clouds. In the rapture, nobody will see him coming because those who are serving him are caught up. But in the second coming, after seven years of bad stuff, and, and, and I know I say this every time, you don't want to miss the rapture. I know people say, ah, I'll die for the Lord. No, you won't. You'll take the mark. You'll bow down. If you won't live for God now, you won't die for him later. You got to wake up. The seven years between the rapture and him coming in the cloud when everybody sees him is going to be the most. You take the Inquisition, you take the pogroms, you take the Holocaust. That is nothing compared to what it's going to be like during those seven years. You do not want to be here. Say amen. Amen. You don't want to be here. So you need to start serving God. Well, you are. You need to start serving God. Get out of bed and get in church. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. And they will also, and, and they also who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and end. I'm going to break this all down and show you what it means. In the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, both your brother and companion, in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, John, what I'm about to show you, write it down. Don't just keep it to memory. Don't just think, well, I'll, 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 I'll be reminded of this later. Write what you're about to see down in a book. And after you've written it down, send it to the seven churches. Send it to every church. Send it to every believer, which are in Asia, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Perga, uh, Pergamos, Tyra, Sardis, Philadelphia and Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke to me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one of the sons of man, one like the son of man, clothed with a garment down to his feet. I'm going to get into all this. It's amazing. Girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and his hair were like were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, 
as if refined in a furnace and his voice as the sound of many waters like a, like a like Niagara Falls his hand in his he had in his right hand seven stars and out of his mouth went a sword a sharp two-edged sword I've written in my Bible so much I can't read it what it says with a sharp two-edged sword and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength and when I saw him I fell at his feet as dead but he laid his right hand on me his right hand saying to me do not be afraid I am the first and the last I am he who lives and was dead and behold I am alive forevermore amen and I have the keys of Hades and of death now write these things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands the seven stars are the angels are literally in Hebrew the messengers of the seven churches and so in other words the first thing and we'll get into this next week the first thing he's talking to are pastors say why the pastors because judgment starts in the house of God and if it starts in the house of God judgment starts on those who are leading the house of God the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches we're going to get in this in detail and it's absolutely amazing and then we're going to go through every church but before we do this let me ask you a question if we were to ask you write down on a piece of paper what jesus looks like what would you write down now if you're out of this church or this ministry you know most people would 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 write down jesus had long blonde hair and a blonde beard and wore a long white robe you wouldn't do that because we know jesus was not blonde haired blue-eyed wearing a roman robe amen but most of the world has a picture of what jesus looked like let me let me see the pictures of jesus if we were to look at this, we'd say, oh, that, somebody's looking at that. They don't go to church, but they look at that and go, we'd say, who is that? They go, that's Jesus. Jesus with the lamb. We'd look at this and go, oh, that's Jesus. And we'd look at this and say, that's Jesus. But the reality, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the reality of it is, is not until Revelations chapter 1, is there one description of what Jesus looked like. There's no, no description of him. So these are all just kind of our own conception. But in the book of Revelations, we have the first description of Jesus, not in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but we have a description of Jesus right now. And the description we have in Jesus of right now is much different than the Jesus who came the first time. As a matter of fact, li listen to this. In Isaiah 53, 2, 
the prophet Isaiah says, talking about the Messiah, says, he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness, and when he, we shall see him, there is no beauty in him that we should desire. The prophet Isaiah says Jesus could be walking down the street. He's the Messiah, but nobody would go, wow, look at him. That he would just be a very average man. It's kind of like, remember when the prophet Samuel came to pick the first king of of Israel, and he comes to Jesse, and he says, bring out your sons, because one of them is going to be a king. And he brings out, you know, these guys are all... You know, tall and good-looking and handsome. And Samuel goes, nope, not him, nope, not him, nope, not him, seven times. And he goes, do you have another one? And he goes, well, he's, a, he's a, kind of a little runt. He's out there tending sheep. And he says, well, bring him in. His dad didn't even pick him. His dad didn't even have him show up. And he come, here comes in little David, and he goes, that's him. And he goes, that's him? That's because man looks on the outside. But God looks on the inside. And let me tell you something. That's the same thing in these last days. When God is going to open up the windows of heaven, there's going to be signs and wonders, prophets and prophetesses. It's not going to be the ones we think. It's not the ones who are the most uh, uh, elegant or the the tallest and handsomest or most beautiful. It's going to be those who are tall and handsome and strong on the inside serving God in these last days. That's who God's going to pick. Amen? The prophet says there's nothing in him that we would say, that's the guy. You know, I love the pictures of Jesus, and I, and I love the pictures of him being, you know, just handsome and beautiful and, and, and all this. But the reality of it is, do you, do you know, historians say Semitic men in the time of Jesus averaged five foot one and weighed about 100 to 110 pounds. Owen could be the Messiah. So when we look at the Jesus of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we look at a shepherd. We look at someone who's caring for the sheep. But when we look at the Jesus of Revelation, which is not the Jesus that is coming, this is the Jesus of right now. And I'm going to show you. This is him right now. We see a totally different Jesus. Now look with me at verse 11. In verse 11, the Lord says to John, saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, and John, what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches. What I'm about to show you is so important. He says, John, write these things down and send them to every church. Now, if that's important for the first churches to know, how much more important what Jesus was showing John for the last church to know? We're going to get into all this, but let's start at the very beginning. It's interesting because 
When we think of the book of Revelations, we think of a book of doom and gloom. But it is not a book of doom and gloom. It is a book of great hope for those who are serving God, no matter what we see going on around us right now. Look at where he starts. Look at verse uh, 3. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia. Listen to the words that the Lord gives John to say to us. Grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, and who is to come. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, now listen to me. I am not almighty God from the past. I am not just almighty God, and I'm going to explain this in more detail. In the future, I am almighty God. No matter what you're facing at this very moment, it may not see like, seem like it, feel like it, but I am right now in your life, I am almighty God. Now, I want you to realize what John is saying here. Look at verse 6. And has made us kings and priests to his God. Now, I, I want you to know some, notice something. He's not saying we are kings and priests to the Lord. He is saying we are kings and priests to his father. Now, this is important because when John fell down, and we're going to get into this, but when John fell down like a dead man, what hand did Jesus lay on him? Right hand. See, there's so much. That's why it's important that we study Hebrew. He, he didn't, in the Bible didn't say he laid hands on me. He said he laid the right hand on me. Where is Jesus sitting? I'll get into that. But you see why it's important to break this thing down? Jesus is both our king and our high priest. If we allow God to lay his hand on us today, say, God, I'm rededicating my life. I'm giving my life. And he has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, and they also who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. All the earth will mourn. But if we're serving God, if we're living for God, we will not see him coming in the clouds. We will be coming with him. So those who are left on the earth are going to see this and they're going to go, oh, shoot. Because he's not coming as a shepherd. No, no, you didn't hear me. He's not coming as the blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus. He's coming as this Jesus. And you want to be sure you really are on his side. I, I, I want you to stop and think about that. All the earth, they're going to be, this is when the Antichrist, this is when people are taking the mark of the beast. This is when the Antichrist is destroying it. This is when, you know, and we're going to get into all this. This is when most of the world will be dying, but they won't be dying from war. They'll be dying from starvation. 
But a multitude will be serving the Antichrist, serving the government. And all of a sudden they're going to go, oh, heck, because they're going to see him. So you don't want to be looking up. You want to be looking down. And you know what's neat about this fight? You know, I I love the scripture when it says, I fought the good fight. How many of you men have ever been in a fight? How many of you ever, come on, raise your hand. If you're beat up, that's not a good fight. It's only a good fight when you win. This is the best fight because we're coming back as the army. And we don't even have to fight. He destroys the world, the, the enemies of the world with his tongue. It's like standing behind your big brother. You don't want to be looking up and going, oh, and mourn. You want to be looking down and go, come on, Jesus. Thank you, Pastor Larry, for teaching this stuff. Says in verse 8, he's coming back. He's coming back. Do you know how many chapters there are in the New Testament? 260 chapters in the New Testament. 260 chapters in the New Testament. Out of 260 chapters, you know how many times the Lord talks to us about his return? 318 times. One out of every 30 verses in the Bible reference the coming of the Lord. We need to pay attention. We need to understand that this is closer than we've ever seen before. Why in the book of Revelations does John and the Lord stop, st- start with these words of encouragement? Look at verse 9. I, John, both your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to look at this map, and I want you to see on this map the little island of Patmos. I think Patmos is, if I remember in history, I think Patmos is seven miles wide and uh, uh, 10 miles or seven miles long. Uh, Basically, uh, no vegetation, no trees, no shade, no anything. Imagine an island that's getting hit by these storms. John has been put into prison. He's living in a cave. He's starving. He's practically naked. He's beaten by these cruel military rulers, probably close to a daily basis. And John starts off by writing a book of hope. Listen to what um, the, the historic, historian William Ramsey says these words. Such banishment as John faced would have been preceded by scourgings, marked by perpetual fetters in chains, barely clothed, insufficient food, sleeping on bare ground in a dark uh, prison cave, working under the lash continually of the military 
overseer. Now, I, I almost hate teaching this, but I'm going to teach it anyway. Faith in Jesus does not mean problems won't come. I believe if you have faith in Jesus, you'll face many, fewer problems than anybody else. Because you'll learn to defeat the enemy before he gets a, a foothold in your life. But the Bible does tell us, and, and I almost hate these, but we need to understand, the Bible says in uh, Romans chapter 5 that we, we should glory in tribulation because tribulation produces patience, patience, character, character, confidence, or in our Bible it says hope, but that literally means confidence, not hope, confidence. Um. You know, in our family, we went through some, a, a, a few little battles the last three and a half years. And we don't want that on anybody. But God says, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you won't go through tribulation. As a matter of fact, um, I hear people all the time say, oh, God, you know, make me a leader. If you want to be a leader, there's a farming process in that. That's because in these last days, we can't have leaders quit, whether we're leaders in the kingdom of God, spiritual leaders or financial leaders. We've got to have people that have perhaps gone through the fire and came out pure gold because after this next generation, God can't raise up. These young people are being trained by the Spirit of God to become the leaders in the world because I believe after this generation, we uh, in this generation of our young people, we will see the coming of the Messiah. And so here's John... On the island of Patmos, of the 12 disciples, he's the only one left. He's it. All the rest of them are gone. And yet John starts this out on the book of Revelations as a tremendous word of encouragement. And if you read it, he says, I was once on the island of Patmos. God's going to get you out of your trouble and, but in the middle of the problem, we look at our country, we look at the world. In the middle of our problem, in the middle of our problem, God can bring the greatest revelation mankind has ever seen. And John right here is the true example. He says, in this world, you will have tribulation. In this world, you're going to have some problems. But he said, be of good cheer. Cheer. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the one that was dead, and now I'm alive. I've overcome this world. Folks, we need to serve the one who was dead and is now alive, who went and is coming back, and who's overcome the world. Can I have an amen? Look at verse 10. It says in verse 10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as a trumpet. He says here, I was in the spirit. Folks, we need to, we need to make sure that we continue to be spirit filled people. Can I have an amen? Now I'm going to get into some real exciting stuff, but let me bring us to the foundation. When we come to church, I want to encourage you to get in the spirit.
Lift your hands. Come, and I understand we got to get kids in the nursery. I understand we got to do this and that. Come early. Get here at the beginning of praise and worship. God inhabits the praise and worship of his people. Lift your hands. Praise God. Shout with a voice of triumph. Sing songs unto him. Get yourself in the spirit, but not just on Sunday. When you wake up in the morning, before your feet hit the ground, say the modea knee. Lord, I give you praise. I give you glory. I'm walking in. When you go to work, when you're at school, I praise God. When, when, when you're at, at lunch at school or work, bow your head and pray over your meal. We need to not be ashamed of being born again Christians serving the living God. We need to come out of the closet and be visible Christians. You know, there's an old saying, if you were arrested today for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence if they brought your neighbors in and the kids you go to school with, the people you work with, and say, Larry Huck is accused of being a Christian? Would there be enough evidence from people around you that would find you guilty of being a Christian? We need to quit being Lady Clairol Christians. That shows my age. Only God knows for sure. Every person you go to school with needs to know you're born again. Every person you work with needs to know you believe it. I'm not talking about shoving Jesus down their throat, but I'm talking about not being ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is not just you must be born again. The gospel of Jesus Christ is God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a government does not tell me how to live, but the word of God tells me how to live. The gospel is the whole Bible, not just claiming we're going to heaven. Amen? Now, I'm serious. You know, it, it, it's, it's interesting. I, I'm just, I, I need to get through this. But, you know, I, I, I love to go hunting. When, when you go into hunting camp, the... the you know, I live, I live my life around my family and church. I'm not out in the world. But when I go to hunting camp, I go, do people eat with that mouth they're talking with? <laughs> the language that people use, but all, you know, but, uh, uh, you know, you're sitting around and all oh, these guys are this and that, and, you know, and the, you know the lewd comments here and everything. And then so the way I change that is I go, oh, what do you do for a living? <laughs> oh, I'm this, I'm that. I go, what do you do for a living? I'm a pastor. It's amazing how all of a sudden everything changes. Oh, excuse me, Pastor. Don't don't ask me to excuse you. He's the one that's listening. But you know, all of a sudden, you know, people are coming to me and they're going, you know, uh, listen, can you pray about my my family or can you pray about my son or my granddaughter or this and that? And and we're there and we're teaching them. It, I'm not shoving Jesus down. Listen, the world, the harvest is ripe. But they don't, if they don't know to come to you, do you hear what I'm saying? I'm not ashamed of being a born-again Christian. I'm very proud of that. I'm not ashamed of being a pastor. I'm very proud of that. Well, I knew Christians that did this. Well, I knew carpenters that did that too. Well, I knew preachers that did this. Well, I knew people who work in offices that did that. 
Well, I knew, I knew leaders in the church that did that. I know people who are in the White House that do that. And I did not vote for him. Amen? We need to be in the spirit. Every moment of every day, we need to be in the spirit. You're going to see down the line that Jesus had eyes of fire. We need not just be in the spirit on Sunday. Although some of you are not even in the spirit on Sunday anymore. He is more than a conqueror over COVID. We, we, need, to, we need to stop using that as an excuse. We need to stop using it as an excuse. But we need not just be Christians when the preacher's looking. Because he's the one who has eyes to fire. He sees you every moment of every day. Got real quiet in this section right over here. And he says, I was in the spirit on the large day. Real quick, turn with me to the book of Jacob. If you don't, if you don't have... If you don't have the, uh, our Jeremiah, I'm seeing. If you don't have the, if you don't have it, let me just read uh, uh, the very first part of it. Because this is called Jacob's trouble. When he says, I was in the spirit on the large date. Now look at me real, real quick. He, what he's saying is he's going back to the book of Jeremiah. And the book of Jeremiah is talking about Jacob's trouble. And if you know the, the teachings of the prophet Jeremiah on Jacob's trouble, the large day, Things are looking bad. But then when you get to verse 30, and I'll just read a couple. When you get a chance, read all of verse chapter 30 when you get home. But all of a sudden, things are looking bad. But all of a sudden, things changed. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Thus speak the Lord God of Israel, saying, Write in a book. Here he has him write it down again. Some things are important that we know. Write in a book for yourself all the words that I have spoken to you. For behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will bring back from captivity my people Israel and Judah, says the Lord. Stop right there. Here we have, pay attention, here we have in the book of Revelation, John describing what the Lord shows him of the Lord's day. We go to Jeremiah, which is the teaching on Jacob's trouble, the Lord's day, and he says, here's the beginning of it. My people Israel and Judah will return to their land. In 1948, 2,000 years later, 2,000 years, 2,000 years. This is where all the experts says, here's what proves your Bible is a fairy tale. Israel will, the Jews will return 2,000 years later. They have no language. They have no army. They have no government. They are scattered on the four corners of the earth. But God says there's going to be trouble, but... 
a sign to the world that things are about to flip over for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear is the first sign will be Israel, the Jews returning to the nation of Israel. And by the way, he's talking about Judea and Samaria. There's nowhere in the Bible that says West Bank or Gaza Strip. It's called Judea and Samaria. And so here we are from the prophet Jeremiah all the way to where we are right now today, the revealing of the book of Revelation, a warning to the church to wake up the seven churches, the pastors that are over the churches, and say, wake up, because I'm about to turn things upside down. Now, there is going to come a time that he's going to be coming in the clouds, but you don't want to be looking up. You want to be looking down. The first sign that this is now the days are near is Israel become a nation that happened 70 years ago. Think how close we are to this right now from Jeremiah to 1948 to 2021 COVID vaccine mandates. I was in, I was in Canada and I had to get a check on, on, on COVID before I could day before I could get on the plane to come back in America. And if I pass, if I fail the test, they say, I said, what happens if I fail? They said, we have to call them. They'll come and arrest you. They'll come and take you away. I'm an American. I have the vaccine. I had to get, we had to get it because of this. They'll come and arrest me. I can't come into my own country, but we have a government that's letting tens of thousands every day flow across. Wake up, guys. Wake up. Look at what it says here. Look at what it, 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 it's. I got to keep going. I got 11 minutes. He says, all right, let me, let me, let me jump down, jump down, jump down. Go with me to verse 10 because I have to prepare this all for next week. Go with me to verse 10. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches, which are in Asia, to Ephesus, Smyrna, going down. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke to me. Having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Where do you you see the revelation on the seven golden lampstands next week? And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, Number one, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a, with a golden band. Let me read to you from the book of Isaiah. And, and this is why, guys, I have 10 minutes. This is why it's so important that we know what the word of God says. If we're just reading this, oh, he was in a long rope. No, you've got to understand, John is seeing the Jesus that is standing for you and I right now. This is not, thank God for the Lamb of God, thank God for the Shepherd, thank God for the Messiah, thank God. But this is a different Jesus. This is a Jesus that's not turning the other cheek. And the first thing he describes, now remember, whenever you see a list of things, what's the first one called? The Avos. None of this works unless you understand the first. 
The first thing he points out is that Jesus had a long robe. Listen to Isaiah 6 verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe, the the, the hem of his garment, filled the temple. He said, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and his robe filled the temple. Now, I'm not going to get into all the measurements. We'll maybe get into that down the line. But when the Lord returns and the temple is rebuilt in Jerusalem, this thing is like three football fields long. And he says something very powerful here. He said, I saw his train fill that temple. Now, we're, in the, we're, we're coming out of Jacob's trouble. We're coming out. This is a warning that things are going to get bad. You don't want to be here for that. But he says... No matter what you're going through right now, I saw, and the avos of everything we're about to read is his train filled the temple. Remember when Saul was chasing David and they ran to En Gedi? I've been in the very cave. David was hiding in the cave and Saul came in and what did David do? Can anybody remember? What did he do? He cut the bottom of his robe off, the train. Why did he do that? And then he remember he goes out and he said, Saul, I could have killed you. And he held up the train. It wasn't just to say he got close. In those days, when a king conquered an enemy, they brought that enemy king before him and they cut the bottom of his robe off. And they sewed it to the victorious king's robe So every king that he, every enemy that he defeated, his robe got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And when he saw our Lord and Savior sitting on the throne, every king shall bow, every knee shall confess, because he will conquer every enemy that comes against us. Somebody ought to shout amen. See, that's why it's fun to study. Amen? Instead of just seeing Jesus in a robe, we realize he is standing before us. He is standing before John. And he said, John, send this to every Christian, every enemy that's coming against you. You're not going under. You're going over. You're going to be the head, not the tail. You're going to be the lender, not the borrower. We are more than conquerors, not in ourselves, but because Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Somebody ought to shout amen. Then he says, around his chest was a golden band. Now, the reason that's put there is because in the days of Jesus or in the days of Jeremiah or in the days of Daniel, every prophet would wear a leather gird around his stomach or around his chest. I, won't, I don't have time to get in. The higher you wore your belt... The, the higher office of a prophet you were. He did not have his belt leather. He had his belt gold. It was not around his waist, but around his heart. 
And what he's saying is, number one, I am more than a prophet. Every high priest, every high priest would wear a sash or a belt around his waist. The higher up he went, the higher up the, 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 the garment came. He did not have it around his waist. He had it around his heart because he is higher than any prophet. He is higher than any priest. He is the high priest. But here's the amazing thing. Here's the amazing thing. You got to understand John is seeing this as a Jew. He understands this. He walked with Jesus for three and a half years. Remember when Jesus said, those who will be the greatest shall be the servants of all? See, we're, we're the kind of day and age which we think, man, if I could just become a, a, a leader in the kingdom of God. You know, I've, I've been in places where they send their entourage in. Come on. And they line, I've been in these places, they line the walls with their, with their minions. And the man or woman of God walks down and they line the walls so you don't touch the anointing. Come on. I, I, I've been in places back years and years ago, they said, you know, don't talk to the prophet. Don't, don't talk to the, don't, don't touch the prophet. Don't speak to the prophet. We have to guard the anointing. If your anointing is that fragile, you need a new anointing. Because I see my Jesus walking around people. They're touching him. They're grabbing him. I see him walking through the, through the market in, in, in Israel, and they're crowded. We've been in those markets. I mean, it's shoulder to shoulder. And all of a sudden, it said, who touched me? I mean, everybody's touching him. He said, I felt anointing come out of me. But Jesus showed the greatest sign. Not only is he above a prophet, not only is he above a priest, not only has en- every enemy been defeated, but he has said something. He said, I am the same yesterday, I am the same tomorrow, but I am the same right now. And this, if you remember, when Jesus b- bent down to wash the feet, he took the belt and girded his garment up so he could kneel to be a servant. A king would wear a belt outside to hold his garment up as he walked, but he wouldn't wear one on the inside. So when they saw Jesus with a garment that said every enemy is defeated, they saw him with a a golden belt around his chest and around his heart, not a leather one because he's above any prophet, not a multicolored one because he's above every priest. But when they saw Jesus still with the, not the gird wasn't put off. He's not saying my serving you is over. He's saying, I'm going to serve you as one that's above a prophet. I'm going to serve you as one that's above a king. I'm going to serve you as one that's above a high priest. My job is not done and he's saying to you and I your best is yet to come because I am the same yesterday I am the same tomorrow but I am the same God right now but it's different I am almighty God and every enemy is coming down let me serve you and walk with you and watch that you become more than a conqueror because of Jesus somebody ought to give him a clap offering. It's awesome, isn't it? I'm going to stop there. His hair was like wool. 
His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were fine brass. Let me give you one more. Let me give you one more. And then we'll, we'll finish it and then we'll, get in, we'll start getting in. Next week we'll get into the, the... Why were his eyes like fire? Why were his feet like fine brass? Why was there a sword? Two-edged sword. Coming out of his mouth. It says here his head and his hair were like fine wool. White wool. One of those is though your sins be as scarlet. Doesn't matter where you came from. Doesn't matter what you did yesterday. If you repent and begin to serve me. Though your sins be as scarlet. You know what that means? Scarlet, it, it's, it's, a, it's a terminology from those days that it was a, a, a double-dyed garment. It was not just dyed. It was double-dyed. And once it was dyed like this, it was very well known that nothing could remove it. Though your sins be double-dyed, I will make them white as snow. I'll make it white as snow. Nothing man can do can remove that stain. Pastor, if you only knew what I've done in my past, I don't need it. You want to tell me? I, you know, I've been there, done. I've, you know, nothing will shock me. They looked at Jesus hanging around with prostitutes, thieves, the IRS. Tax collectors. The religious said, if he were a man of God, if he were spiritual, he would know what kind of people these are. He knows what kind of people we are. What did Jesus say? He said, these are the ones I came for. Amen? You ever watch a movie of the founding of America or the old days of, I think they may still do it in like England and Britain where the judges wear a white wig? That's to symbolize maturity. That's to symbolize judgment, wisdom, the white hair. That's why, you know, I think George Washington wore one of those guys. You know, I was at a Jewish wedding. Uh, can, did you guys find the Shema? Can you bring up the Shema? I was at a Jewish wedding last week. Uh, Josh Reinstein from Jerusalem's sister got married here in Israel, and they were graciously invited uh, Tiz and Katie and I to the wedding and uh, fell in love with Josh's uncle, his uh, old uh, ultra-Orthodox Jew from Canada. At, no, I wanted in Hebrew. Do you have it in Hebrew? If not, don't worry about it. I'll say it in Hebrew and I'll show it. If you don't have it, just leave that up. And we were, we were talking. He's a, a Torah scholar, Bible scholar. And so we were talking Torah and stuff. This is the number one prayer in Hebrew. It says, Shema Israel, Hero Israel. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Ichad. Whenever you see a prayer, go ahead and take that off. Um, when you're saying Shabbat, praying over Shabbat, ladies, on Friday evenings, what do you say? 
Baruch Atah, Adonai Eloheinu. What does Adonai mean? What does it mean? Lord, Adonai. What does Eloheinu mean? God. Why in the prayer does God always put in or almost always put in the Lord God? Because God is not male or female. God is a spirit. So in that, God is both male and female. Eloheinu means he is a judge. It's kind of like it's, he's the dad. You know, how many times has mom said, when your father gets home? Right? But Adonai is more like mom. Eloheinu is God will judge. He will, he chastens those he loves. But Adonai is, it's going to be all right. I love you. So he's both. So when we look at this and, and you're, you're, you're John the Jew and you see this image of the Lord and he's, he's, about to, he's about to show the eyes of fire, he's about to show the tongue, the two-edged sword, he's re- being reminded by the Lord, you know what, I am coming to judge. And I'm going to look at every one of you and I'm going to judge you. But you know what, if you'll wake up, I'll go from Eloheinu to Adonai. I'll go from, I don't want to spank you. I want to bless you. And we're going we're gonna to get into this. Where do you see the seven candlesticks? The anointing of God, the blessing of God. Where do you see the seven churches? But the thing it starts with is, before we worry about what the church is doing, God is addressing, addressing how are you doing? If the rapture were to take place right now, today, right now, and it could. You know, I always used to say, I think we have 20, 30 years left. I don't think so. But let's say the rapture, let's say the rapture doesn't take place for, let's see, 2022, we get Congress and Senate back. 24 we get the white house back so let's say the rapture doesn't take place for six years leading up to the rapture is the glorious church without spot without wrinkle the church that's the lender not the borrower the church is don't you want to be that this is not a wake-up call so that we avoid hell this is a wake-up call so that we walk in the favor of of the one who is the Alpha and the Omega. I was dead, but I'm, I'm, I'm alive now. Amen. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's, it's a wake-up call for you and I to say, am I really serving the Lord? I'd like to have every head bowed. Stand with me. Let's just stand. Let's stand all over the building. Because once I have you bow your head, then you hide. The Bible says that, look at me, I'm going to close with this. The Bible says, and we're getting in the end of it next Sunday. The Bible says, John turns around to see it. He heard it, and he turned around to see. I'm praying that if you're not right with God, you'll turn around to see. 
Why not serve a God that wants to care for you and bless you and and defeat your enemy? It doesn't make any sense. But when John, now this is the same John, folks. This is the same John that we see at, at the Lord's Supper. This is the same John laying his head on Jesus' breast. And he hears this voice and he goes, Is that you, Lord? And he turns around and sees not the same Jesus. And the Bible says he didn't lay his head on Jesus. He fell down like a dead man. And John put his right hand on him. We'll talk about that next week. Put his right hand on him. And he said, don't be afraid, John. John, it's me. I am me. (laughs) John, it's me. Is that you, Jesus? (laughs) He said, it's me. Boy, you don't look like you used to look. No, John, this time I'm coming back as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You don't want to miss this. See, can I be honest with you about something? I don't serve, I don't serve the Lord because I'm afraid of him. I serve the God because I'd be an idiot not to serve. It, 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 it'd be like this. Do, do, do you want Tom Brady to be your quarterback or do you want me to be your quarterback you thank you thanks mom <laughs> i want to have every head bowed every eye closed no one looking around I, I this is going to be such a great series i really want to encourage you to bring people out for this as every head is bowed every eye is closed no one's looking around is the lord speaking to you by his spirit and say just turn around just turn around and you'll see it's me that wants to make you more than a conqueror. It's me that wants to defeat your enemy, every enemy. So as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, no one's looking around. You're here right now, and I wish I could do this with everybody that's watching by stream, but you can still raise your hand and raise your heart. But you're here right now, and you say, Pastor Larry, would you remember me in prayer I need to turn around. I, I, it's not that I don't love Jesus. I'm just not really serving him. I need, to, I need to get back to serving God. So maybe you're here and you say, you know what, I need to return. Or maybe you're here and you say, you know what, I have never really given my life to the Lord. I've gone to church, but I've never given my life to the Lord. Jesus died for me so that I could live for him. So as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, No one's looking around. You'd say, Pastor Larry, would you remember me in prayer? I want to give my life, rededicate my life to the Lord. Slip your hand up all over the building and just hold it there. Hold it the whole time because I want to go through and make sure I get everybody. I see that hand, 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 that hand. God bless you. That hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. God bless you. Just keep it up. I want to get every one of you. That hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. God bless you. That hand, God bless you. That hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. God bless you. That hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. God bless you. That hand, sir. God bless you. That hand, young man. That hand, that hand. A lot of young people. That hand, 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 that hand. That hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. 
give them a great big clap offering. Now, I'm going to make you a pledge. I'm going to do the best I can on this whole series to have us done. I'll be finished teaching. I'm going to do the best I can. To have us done by 20 after. Because I think it's so important that you're going to see with the church of Ephesus, he says, you're doing good, but you need to come back to your first love. And the first love needs to be people being born again. That's the first love. And so I'm going to try to have this done so we can be out of here by 1130. I'm a little long today laying the foundation. But here's what's important. This is not just a ritual we're going through. This is the most important decision you can make in these last days. Because the Messiah is coming. He, he, he can't make it much plainer. I personally believe we're headed for some of the most thrilling, exciting times. And so it's not just about not missing the rapture. It's about... I get to be part of this glorious body of Christ that will change the world. So we're going to sing a song. And as we do, I know I've gone long. I'm, I'm, I'm 10 minutes over. But I'm going to ask you to come out of your seat. If you raise your hand and say, I want to give my life or dedicate my life to the Lord. Because I think it's important that I pray over you. And we seal this. Because the enemy, the enemy, the, the, the Bible says... The word fell on stony ground or the word fell on hard ground. We don't want this thing to leave you by the time you leave the pew and get to your car. We want this to happen until the rapture. So would you come, if you raise your hand, come right now and just come down to the front. Give them a big hand as they come. Encourage somebody to come. Sing with us. Let's go. And you come right now. You raise your hand. I want you to come. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to have you do anything. We just want to pray over you. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Give them a big hand. Come on, choir. Sing us real loud. Everybody. Everybody. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. All the way down, come on. Man, look at this. Come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Take charge, take charge, take charge. Come on. Come on, come on. Come down, come down, come down. Come by. I bathed in everything. I bathed in everything. Come down by me. Come down with me. Come down with me. Come on, guys. Come on down. Squeeze down. Mama, come on, squeeze down here with me. Come on, brother. All right. Anybody else? Don't don't miss this. Don't miss this. We want to release an anointing on you that will cover you and be with you, not just today, but it'll be with you when you go home today. And the Cowboys win another game. Until the Messiah comes. You know, the Bible says in the last days there's going to be a great falling away. It doesn't mean churches will be empty. It means Christians' hearts will be empty. We'll we'll, we'll teach that as we come. We want God to touch your heart. We want God to cover you with divine anointing. Everyone lift your hands like a canopy 
like a hoopah covering them. Let's all close our eyes and say this out loud together. Say, Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know I've sinned. We've all sinned. We've all sinned. But I know this. You love me so much. You sent Jesus Christ to pay the price in full for all my sin. Right now, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Satan, get out of my life. Get out of my mind. Get out of my body. Get out of my spirit. Get out of my home, my family, my finances, and my future. Jesus, you died for me. And now, I will live for you. Cover me with your anointing. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now give the Lord a great big clap offering. Let me pray over us all. Let me pray over us all. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, I ask you cover every one of us in this building, every one of our church members around the world via stream. Father, cover us with an anointing that causes our ears and our eyes to be open. You've not given us the spirit of fear. We understand that. But this is a wake-up call. Not because we're afraid of what's coming, but because we are so excited about what is coming. And Father, I claim that every one of us will be a part of this latter rain. And for all that you've done and all that you're getting ready to do in every one of our individual lives and as a body of Christ, we will give you all the praise and all the glory. Now, let's look at me. Before I say in Jesus' name, this is bursting out of my spirit. His train filled the temple. Every enemy is defeated because of him. And say this, in Jesus' name. If you receive that, give the Lord a great big clap offering. God bless you. Give these guys a great big hand. Amen.